Welcome to Dollar Theater. This is the podcast where we review movies that we love, some of which are critically acclaimed and some not so much. In my research tonight, I was surprised to find that this is not a very critically acclaimed movie. I was shocked to see the 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a movie that Roger Ebert gave one star to and said, quote, no one is funny in Tommy Boy. There are no memorable lines. None of the characters are interesting. <laughs> so tough, tough one from Raj there. I'm sure the three of us disagree here, but before we get into it, we have with us uh, returning for the first time since we did Pulp Fiction a couple months ago, Gail Maitland. And also from a couple months ago, you might've heard him on our Predator podcast, Brian Valentine. What is up, friends? Hey. All right. Hello. <laughs> What's going on? So Tommy Boy, 1995. I wasn't really aware of this, but I, in my research, also from hearing Roger's review there, I learned that this wasn't really a commercial success either in the theaters. At a $20 million budget, made 32 back. So it wasn't a bomb, but it also certainly wasn't a blockbuster. I didn't see this in the theaters. I don't know if either of you did. Uh, the first time I saw this was on HBO. I had never really heard of it. And I just saw a commercial for it on HBO. And I was like, okay, those are the guys, Farley and Spade from SNL. And I remember watching it for the first time. I was 15. I don't know if it, up until that point I had ever laughed more at a movie than I, when I saw this for the first time. Uh, it's It's been a few years for me since I revisited this before doing this podcast. And this this is still just an all, all-timer. I still laugh at like just random shit that happens in this in this movie, like uh, Spade's car door getting ripped off and Farley trying to blame it on on him. And he's like, what'd you do? Or just the, the interaction with, with Spade and the gas station attendant talking about the map, but he's being like extra condescending to him. It's like, you say it's 22 miles away and you're really smart. Yet it's not on the map. <laughs> and we're definitely going to like dive more into the great scenes and one-liners in this movie. But uh, for me, this is this is peak Farley, peak David Spade. Probably, I, I, maybe we all agree, we'll definitely talk about that more. Maybe this is the, the top of the mountain for both of them cinematically. Uh, this has a great supporting cast, great story. Uh, this movie rules. I love it. And glad to be talking about it with both of you. Gail, why do you love this movie? Um, so Tommy Boy is, Tommy Boy is my favorite movie about brake pads. I love Tommy Boy. <laughs> I've loved it since I was a kid. I love Chris Farley. Um, I, we had to watch Beverly Hills Ninja together, me, you, me and you, Dave. And it, it was, it was fine. Like there's some <laughs> of similar gags, right? But like, this is where Chris Farley nails his comedy. And when Chris Farley is with David Spade, the two of them going back and forth, it was a comedy team that we didn't get enough of. So this is like peak, peak 1990s Lauren Michaels comedy. Absolutely. Brian? Yeah, I agree. Um, kind of the same tip, but I, you know, you said you waited a while to watch it. No, I've watched it every year, maybe twice a year for many years. And it's and one of the reasons because it's my sister and I, it's our kind of our movie among a, a couple other movies. But this is the one that we'll just, if we hang out together, which isn't a ton We'll, we'll put it on and we'll watch it and we'll laugh at the same stuff. We'll laugh at new things that set, that set us off. And also like David Spade and Chris Farley being together, like kind of like redoing the whole funny guy, straight man thing on a different tip. It was, I think it's just iconic. Agree. So that's a great segue into Chris Farley. Uh, we've talked about him on, we've talked about him before 
uh, we, we've covered uh, Beverly Hills Ninja, so that's that's a movie that exists. And <laughs> also, also we did Coneheads, which was which was him in a supporting role. But the first time I saw him, I think, was in Wayne's World, where he was in that movie for less than a minute as the security guard. And you're just watching this movie, and you're seeing this guy, and you're like, hmm, what was that? Even though it was a, a brief part, you're like, yeah, this is somebody we'll be seeing a lot of. And then I'd see him in SNL sketches. I know I sent you guys one I was watching earlier. I went down a rabbit hole of just Chris Farley SNL sketches. Yeah. I was watching the the uh, the hidden camera show that decaffeinated Columbia. That's my favorite crystals. sketch of all time. <laughs> so good. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then the, the the Schmitz gay beer with him and Sandler, just just so so good. Dude, that GIF of him with the glasses. I always wondered where that came from. Yeah. Then and then you showed me, and I saw it. I said, "Oh my god, there it is." <laughs> Very lightning, thank you. You got it. Um, you know, he he had great supporting roles in, in Billy Madison, Airheads, and this was kind of his time to shine in Tommy Boy. He got his, his own car to drive here. And I read in the research that he was he was clean and sober for the entirety of the filming of this movie. And it's a it's a shame because that he wasn't able to keep that up afterwards because I don't know if we were would have been able to get like more films of this quality from him because after this came black sheep which i like but it, it's definitely not as good as this movie um and then yeah i'm not gonna go f- too far into beverly hills ninja that that we we did that last year we don't need to do it again but yeah that that's a movie and um so for me i don't know if if tommy boy is chris farley's peak com- comically that might be something on snl a lot of people might feel that way, but cinematically, I, I feel like this is definitely his his crown achievement, and I just I love him. I'm you know sad he's gone, but glad we got this movie. Gail, any Farley thoughts either in this movie or just at all? So this is such a big topic to talk about. Is Chris Farley? There's too much to hit on, like too much, too much Chris Farley in such a small amount of time. Um, if we're going to stick with just the Tommy boy, Chris Farley, just the lovable buffoon, Chris Farley, who is like David Spade's Richard talks about street smart, not really book smart, but he's so good with people. And um, I, the scene where he, the chicken wing scene, which we'll probably talk about, but the scene where he can convince somebody to, you know, fire up the fryer, um, to get himself some chicken wings, uh, that just feels like every, every sweet guy I've ever known, who's just really good at asking for stuff in a roundabout way. Like, I, I don't know, Chris Farley is just that guy. Love him. Uh, Brian, any Farley thoughts? Yeah. And like, I guess piggybacking on that, um, it's just those guys who aren't attractive, who get laid. And so that's kind of like, (laughs) and he, I could just tell he got laid, but anyway, besides the point, Tommy boy, I I thought really showed us Chris Farley, like a different way, kind of, you know, he was able, like he, he wasn't cursing. He wasn't trying to scare you the whole time. You know, he was showing you in this movie that he's, you know, just like a cool guy, like a, a guy who's trying, you know, despite, failing all the time nonstop throughout this whole film. But, you know, I just, and like Gail said, it's a huge topic and it's very hard to talk about sometimes. And uh, especially with where it ends, but yeah. Yeah. But Chris Farley is, uh, I don't know, an iconic guy for me. One a legend for sure. Mm. So let's go to the second star of this movie, David Spade. He was someone I knew existed, 
But I never really noticed on SNL, and I guess it's easy to see why when you're on the cast with the likes of Farley, Adam Sandler, Mike Myers, Phil Hartman, amongst others there. I, I could go on, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this, is, this movie was kind of the first time that he really got a chance to shine. I think he did have like supporting roles in, in Coneheads, which we did before, and a few other things. But I think just him being like the Pippin to Farley's Jordan, I just thought that they were just magical together. Um, and like I said, for Farley, I think it's also the same way for Spade. This is definitely the top of the mountain for him movie-wise. And then post-Tommy Foy, post Tommy Boy, and I guess after Farley's death, he did get some opportunities to headline things. Joe Dirt, I, I don't think it's a bad movie, but it, <laughs> it's, 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 it's fine. It's, it, you know, and I think he wound up kind of having like a similar career to Dana Carvey in terms mm. of, you know, just funny guys from SNL. And they're just, they're around now. They never completely faded away, but Spade now, he does like some sitcom work. I see him like show up on an episode of Girls here and there or Love. Um, I remember the show Just Shoot Me that was like a couple years after that, the sitcom. I thought that was funny. Um, He's always going to have, as long as Adam Sandler's alive, he's always going to have work because he just keeps popping up in these Netflix films. Uh, Yeah, so similar to Farley, this was the top of the mountain for him. I I love him in this movie. He's so funny. There's his one-liners that we'll definitely talk about more when we do scenes. Gail, any thoughts on Spade? David Spade is he's not just a straight man but he's like the condescending straight man and he he can be snarky with the best of them and I think he's so underused I mean I think he was perfectly used in Tommy Boy but I think that moving forward there just wasn't enough David Spade or maybe there wasn't enough room or enough characters for David Spade because his brand of comedy um it, it was so unique I think to who he is and I think that with the pairing of Chris Farley he really lost he really lost work like he really lost work and a comedy partner when Chris Farley passed so it's kind of a shame for David David Spade because he's he's he nails it yeah I I love him yeah I think you nailed it I think he definitely lost a lot of opportunities when Farley left it fun to ponder what could have been if if that didn't happen Brian, any spade thoughts? I agree on I agree on that. I feel like there wasn't enough spade in this. Like, I don't know if he doesn't audition well or if he didn't he doesn't write well or or something. There's something in the way for him because I feel like his roles were very good and uh, yeah, he played against Farley very well. He played against like a second fiddle like perfectly, but he just never found that again outside of those Sandler, you know, like uh, SNL cast love fests. Um, yeah, I wish I I would love to have seen David Spade cross over into something dramatic. But like I said, maybe he doesn't uh, he doesn't do it well and can't do it. But um, I would love would have loved to have seen more of him. So in addition, this movie has a really solid supporting cast. Uh, Rob Lowe in the very first scene he's in, he punches a child in the face through a glass window. The best. And then he throws his milk carton into a baby stroller. That's just how he he comes into the movie. I, I love him. It's just the the quintessential whether he's the good guy like he is in Parks and Rec or he's like evil like he is in this movie he just does like I'm better than you and I know it like better than anyone else just to keep on that theme I, I love him he's hilarious in this uh Brian Dennehy who's a super serious actor was I remember seeing him in this movie I'm like that's Brian Dennehy just for the first time and you know solid casting because physically he's like the same size as Farley you buy him as, as his father and you know not 
when you when you think of comedy legends, you don't think of Brian Dennehy, but he kind of hangs with Farley. They have a lot of like good chemistry together. I thought um, Dan Aykroyd, who's one of my favorite actors as a kid, and he, he plays. It's not like a cameo role. Like you see a lot of in like Happy Gilmore, for instance, or Conan's. You'll see like a lot of these guys show up for like one scene just to be like, you know, Kevin Nealon was in this movie and he had a couple lines. Like, but Dan Aykroyd's in this, and it's not really a cameo. It's kind of like an important part here as Zelensky. And up until that point, I. I hadn't seen him in really anything major in a few years. So it was, it was cool to see him in this uh, Julie Warner, who was a thing for a minute. I remember her in, in doc Hollywood is opposite Michael J. Fox. Uh, she was a nip tuck a few years after this. She had, a, she had an arc on there and she was great in that too. I thought she was pretty good in this. Uh, she still works, but I guess she didn't really have the career. One might've thought she would add after the mid nineties. So she's definitely like a product of, of that time. So those are kind of like who stood out for me in the supporting cast. Gail, did any of those people stand out for you or anyone I didn't mention? Um, well, you didn't mention Bo Derek, right? Oh. Or yeah. So who, who to me, or maybe you did and I just I didn't know. over it. Oh, so oh, right. Um, but yeah, she, she was, um, what shocked me about her performance, which I don't think was anything super standout or anything like that, but what shocked me about her performance was Bo Derek was only 39 years old in this yeah. movie, which is what? wild. Yeah, I thought she was min 55 years old. Yeah. Like I could not have, way. oh my God, I did okay. not, I did not know. Um, so knowing she was 39 made like the relationship with Rob Lowe a little bit more you know just sure. like a little bit more you know like it, it was weird like yeah. how could he have been her I don't know but that was bizarre to me but who I really liked and who you mentioned was Julie Warner um she stood out to me because she gives the greatest zinger of all time like her 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 dig to the children when they're on the robo is one of the best and we can talk about that when we talk about scenes but I think that she fell victim to the Janine Garofalo um like so she falls into the same kind of category as Janine yep. did in the mid 90s where you're kind of the, just the friend who got cast as the as the leading character um so I I you know I I would have I would have liked to have seen more of her too but I, I like what we got Brian, anyone from the supporting cast for you? Um, I liked all of the the board of directors guys, like all those dorks, yeah. you know, and how they were kind of like at the same time, like they were funny and they were good. They they, they kind of linked up the scenes here and there and told you they, you know, they gave you the uh, plot points they needed to push things yep. forward kind of. And uh, they had little bits and funny parts like when they're at the wedding and uh, and he says something to David Spade with the video camera and just they had then they all had little things. And I thought the cast was rounded out very well with those weird guys that kind of show you that the town they live in is very important to them. And it kind of gives you a reason to care at the end a bit, um, a bit. But, yeah, those guys were fun. And uh, and like you said, um, Bo Derek, I loved her. And, and, and watching it as a young person, I thought to myself, I was like, wow, that age difference crazy. But it's not that big of an age. Yeah. Difference now that you've said that mm -mm. she's 39. 39. She's That's a year crazy. younger than I, me. I'm That's older than so she was in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sounding. Um, Brian, you, you were talking about the board of directors. I think you you might have been specifically talking about uh, Zach Grania, who oh, I, I love him. I think yes. we were all, I think the three of us all watched Debs, right? Yes. Okay. No. Okay. So, I, Gail, I won't give too much away, but Debs was this sci fi show from Alex Garland. And Zach Grania was in this as like this monster assassin killing machine. Yeah. He was and I'm just awful. like, that's the fucking guy from Tommy Boy, and he's just fucking people up in this movie. Yeah. 
and yeah, his line in the when Spade's filming the wedding, he's like, he's like, you're a lucky guy, Tom. Boy, would I like to get me some of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Spade comes in with Jesus Christ, like on <laughs> camera, so good. Oh, was it good Lord? Ah, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Said, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but that's somehow funnier than Jesus Christ. Like it's sweeter. <laughs> No, that guy, that's who I was thinking of distinctly. That guy's amazing. He was in Deadwood. He was in so many things. Yeah. He had a cool mm. part in Twister, Fight Club. He, he's been everywhere. I, yeah, Devs. I wasn't thinking about Devs until you until you said it just now, and I'm like, holy shit, you're right. Yeah. I remember watching it, and I'm just like, where do I know this guy from? And I actually, I, I didn't, did, it didn't click in my brain. I had to go to IMDb. Thank you, internet. But I was like, I've seen this guy in something. Okay. That's, that's the guy from Tommy Boy. Holy shit. Like, he's a fucking monster in the show. Yeah. We got a listener question here, which kind of say, which kind of ties into the last part I have before we go into scenes here. Uh, the listener question was from the "In a Place Like This" podcast. So, thanks for the question. They they asked, "Why do you think millennials are drawn to this era of SNL alum comedies?" And before we get to scenes, I I don't know if this is necessarily an SNL movie, but at the time, Farley and Spade were both cast members of SNL. Um, this movie was written by people who were also SNL writers. It kind of came out in the same time frame as like your Happy Gilmore's and your Billy Madison's movies that were like filled with SNL or, or SNL alumni, Wayne's World, Coneheads that come to mind. There was there, those were a couple years before. I have this as my number one and kind of all those those movies there. Same. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I, well, Brian, you just answered for me. And that's fine. Um, uh, Gail, I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Is this your number one of the, that era or do you have someone else you like more? No, I, I uh, it's so hard. I think I might lean a little harder into Wayne's world. Um, mm. And I think after rewatching Coneheads, I don't know. Like it hit me the right way. Like now. It, good. It, I, I didn't mind. It's it's so good. And yeah. I think, I think the three are a top, are a top three for me. I don't think I would even put this, I think this would probably be my third in like road trip comedies, but I think for like SNL era, yeah. you know, this is, this is, yeah, top three. And as far as the question, why are millennials drawn to this era? I don't even know if there are really SNL adjacent movies anymore. Like you don't see like a, a Pete Davidson, Kate McKinnon project or anything like that. You see like Pete Davidson yeah. in a movie. Yeah, you, you, you do you do a little like I think there's like the skeleton twins right with like Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig yeah. um, okay. so you'll see like small ones um, but they're more indie and not so much like big summer blockbuster like Wayne's World was right so it's it's a different era and and we didn't I think just speaking on behalf of every millennial um, I'm gonna go ahead and say that we we didn't have a lot of, um, I, I think we leaned really heavily into SNL because um, we were we were byproducts of uh, Full House, right? Like we had TGIF and Musty TV. So we had like Seinfeld and, and Friends and, and Full House and, and um, you know, Step by Step. So like there wasn't a lot of edge, I don't think, to the TV that I watched, at least as a kid. So when it came time for like Saturday night and like after Snick, right? So are you afraid of the dark? But then <laughs> you hop on over to uh, Saturday Night Live and you watch Chris Farley like with his van down by the river or ask if Paul McCartney like, you know, did you know you were dead or whatever, like whatever <laughs> the, the case may be. But we got we got the edgy comedy that our parents had with Gilda. Like we got that with with, you know, with 
Chris Farley, with David Spade, with um, even leaning a little bit further into like Adam Sandler, right? So I think that's why for yeah. me. No, I, 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 I have nothing to add because I, I agree with you. Brian, did you have any thoughts on SNL movies where, where this, you said this ranks number one? Is it far away or? Um, I think a lot of those Adam Sandler movies, I think he hit a, I think he hit a groove where I didn't hate any of them. I think like, I didn't like happy, wait, what's the one? Billy Madison. I, I hated that movie, but I loved Happy Gilmore. I love Wedding Hot Singer, um, 51st Dates. So all of those movies I, I found to be amazing, you know, but um, you said that millennials do gravitate. Yeah, I found that the edge part is true because like when we were getting comedy at, at my age, when I was young, when I was taking in comedy, it was hard to find edgy comedy that wasn't extremely edgy, but this mm-hmm. was, in, this was right in the middle, you know, where you could play with your, you could watch it with your parents, you could watch it with your family, but still it was like, you know, like housekeeping, you know, it was still it had that <laughs> little bit, you know, like where everybody was kind of like cringing and everything, but it's, yeah, I, I found it, it like the, the um, SNL guys hit a very, hit a sweet spot with it and uh you know you could watch it with everyone totally great i mean i quote this movie with my dad who's a boomer right like he all the time (laughs) talks about my beer fridge and he's like you can put a six pack of soda like that's his favorite line and he pulls it from tommy boy it's a bridge bridge. all right on that note we're gonna take a quick break and we'll go into our favorite scenes We are back. Favorite scenes. This was a tough one because I don't know if there's really, there's a central story here, which is, you know, Tom Callahan runs Callahan Auto. He dies. His son has to take over the business. And that's like the main story. But in terms of like scenes, there's a lot of just like vignettes here or or skits for for lack of a better term. So I kind of just narrowed it down here. Uh, The first, first one I have written down is the first meeting with Tommy and Richard. And um, he, Tommy, we get, we get the scene early where we see him as a kid. We see him, he's just kind of like, he's goofy and he's kind of just like basically getting through life because his, his father's rich and he's kind of just like a goofy guy who everybody likes, but not, not a super serious person. So his dad goes to meet him at the airport. He's not there. So Richard has to come pick him up. And he's saying, you know, I, I called my dad and he's like, what, what number did you call? <laughs> Two, four, niner. And Spade's just so good here. He's like, I can't hear you. You're trailing off. Did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie talkie? Oh, <laughs> and then he has a line uh, where he's like, you know, heard you graduate. Do you hear I graduated college? Like, yeah, <laughs> just a shade under a decade too. All right. <laughs> a lot of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. doctors. Just, just the two of them bouncing off each other here. I thought this was good intro to the two of them and their chemistry. Gail, what would you think of that scene? Oh, that's a great scene. I mean, it, it's it. You're right. It's I, I agree with you 100. It's the intro to Richard and Tommy, where uh, Richard um, is so quick under his breath with the with with those um, insults, and Tommy just kind of eats it. Like that's just what he does. He just eats it. He shakes his head and he moves on. Right. That scene, I thought. I thought introduced Richard perfectly, but at the same time, the writing of it, I don't know how long it took to write that scene, but that was, it's like seven jokes in like a minute and like it's, and they're quick, they're funny. And uh, you kind of get their dynamic right away that he's just a sponge for that kind of, uh, that kind of punishment. And uh, because he's had, you know, his whole life probably on the other end of uh, a lot of jokes like that. Yep. Yeah. What's the scene you like? Um, so I think the scene that I, 
that I, well, I'll mention the scene that I like is the one where they're in the in the rowboat, and I think that I think that the the kids taunting Tommy um, is great. Tommy trying his hardest to stay calm in <laughs> the rocky situation, <laughs> blaming the lack of wind. Um, Need and a little wind <laughs> and then um just Michelle comes in with this this zinger of um you know I I, I know I, where you live and I've seen where you sleep <laughs> your mothers will cry when they see what I've done to you it's so good it's so good and I love I love the line like it's it's usually in like top 10 lists of like best insults it's just it's so good and she delivers it so angrily like man yeah. Janine couldn't have done that so. <laughs> Yeah, she was at the edge of her voice when she was yelling at those kids. Like you could tell she was right there. It was I thought it was amazing yeah. too. So she good. was definitely she definitely saw Farley the scene the line before where he's like, You better pray to the god of skinny pugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, I have to match that energy. And I think she she did it very well. And I like Bru- how the kids ran in one direction and then they shoot in the other direction. Like they were so afraid that they just like scampered and then just went, oh, but we didn't go here. <laughs> We're going over there now. I, I thought that scene was executed well, and there were several points of it where it was amazing. <laughs> Brian, what's the scene you like? Um, oh, wait, I could use I could just use that one, right? No. Um, actually, you know what? I'll do a couple. I've got a couple. I got. I liked Rob Lowe's introduction. We talked about it already, but that was. I like introduction scenes like a lot. I, yeah. Yeah, I pay attention to them closely, and my favorite all time one is Thomas Jane's introduction in Boogie Nights when he just kicks through the fence and then they make like the, the screeching sound and he just walks in like a douchebag, like just like, my favorite thing ever. But Rob Lowe came in like a douchebag, heavy, and they just were they kind of made it like completely ridiculous, you know, like, like with the uh, with hitting the kid in the face through the window and the mom's like, oh my god, and then the just drinking milk who drinks milk just out of a carton on a bus out of a carton on a bus next to me i don't like riding the bus anyway i would <laughs> i would probably just say something and, and i know that everyone should be allowed to do that but i would say that he wouldn't you're yeah. not allowed to do that next to me that's what i would say now <laughs> but also another another scene i loved was uh, kind of like more of an introduction to tommy like kind of a deeper introduction was when he was uh in his father's new part of the plant where they're making the new brake pads or whatever. And he's just like doing the karate sounds and, <laughs> with like the, with the uh, hooks that were coming in and he's like yep. coming in kind of fast. How you doing? And they, every, and then they start looking at him and he says the R word, which I noticed I, I had a little ticker. Couple. A couple, yeah, that, that times. A couple two, times. If not three. And I, so I, I did write one and two and yeah. I noticed that I, I watched this, Re- not recently but a couple of years ago it was on usa and that's actually it's bleeped out it's not even like mm. not even like a sub word you just it just goes to mute when he says he's like i'm wow. yeah and i think the scene where he goes you know david spade goes if you don't know how to use your seatbelt, tommy will come over yeah. and hit you with a jackhammer because you are a and then it, it yeah. blanks out yeah wow. but, so yeah they, they uh they're on that now well, that makes it a more challenging film now. They kind of just, if he trails off, then you don't know what he's thinking. And you're just, you're wondering if it becomes a more complex film when, if he doesn't know, if you don't know what he's saying, they want you to make the decision. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to quote this or, or, or not? <laughs> and I think the three of us opted to not. <laughs> yeah, nah. Th- thankfully. <laughs> uh, another scene I have written down here, uh, I have, a, a, you mentioned uh, Rob Lowe, Brian. Uh, the, the other scene with them where they go cow tipping. Yeah, I, I love them in the in the car together. Their line where 
uh, Farley tells him, you know, if I showed up, if I sent a pic of your mom to some of my buddies at college, yeah. she, she'd definitely make the boner of the month club. Rob when the music like, comes in, like, wow, it's like so bad. He's just like, I- I'm honored. Yeah. And I thought Rob Lowe had two more scenes that I thought were just completely useless and like added nothing but just a huge laugh was when he pisses on the electrical thing and just yes. blasts them and. And then, like, you know what I noticed, too, is is um, a lot of points, people look around to see if someone saw something. So, like, when he get, when he pisses on the fence, he was blown away. Bo Derek looks around like, holy shit, did anyone see that? <laughs> and, and Tommy does that several times, like, when he's pulling on the door, and he's like, oh, and then someone opens it very easily, and he looks around, did anyone see that? So, like, that made me laugh very hard. And there was another one when he's, uh, when Rob Lowe is... I guess he's trying to shoot the, the truck to make them <laughs> inefficient to to do the deliveries. And then and then this dog comes out and he shoots the sign, it comes down, breaks the leash, and he gets bitten to death. He gets mauled by a dog, which I He should be yeah. dead. He should be dead several times. Actually, I, who is this guy? He's you... the true klutz of the movie. Like oh, it's not great. Tommy. It's it's Rob Lowe. It's him. I love that because yeah. he, he's in the scene previously with, with Bo Derek and he's just like Stop the trucks! Stop Tommy Boy! Like he, he had an epiphany, <laughs> and it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot the gas the gas tank of these trucks and probably kill a bunch of people who, yeah, who right. might have just been working overtime. The and shittiest yeah, yeah. villain. Yeah, <laughs> I love him so much. Uh, the sales calls is a hilarious scene. This is probably when I saw this for the first time. It's just. You know, now let's see what's happening when you use the other guy's brake pads. Yeah. Like you're driving along, driving along, and he then just, he pulls his like he's trying to pull his arm away, and he's like, "Get off me!" Like my favorite physical comedy. Lights the car on fire. Yeah, he's like, "Here, yeah. here comes the meat wagon." New guy's in the corner puking his guts out. <laughs> it's such like original Homer Simpson comedy where like yes. he's just going at it and he just doesn't stop until he makes his point and yeah just oh my god like it's so good <laughs> I like at the end of that where he just he goes do you validate and I go, yeah. no <laughs> it's a pr- get out no yeah okay one more got the deer in the back of the car oh my god the deer I had t- I was tears were streaming down my face and like just how funny that is and like when they realize it's alive and and they all the camera goes to him it, it goes to tommy it goes to richard and then it goes back to the deer who goes Wah! and then they crash of course and he tears the car apart that's my favorite scene ever and the deer just calmly walks away <laughs> yeah he's all majestic just they shoot it from underneath and he's just like the lights behind him he's perfect Ridiculous. you notice how they start like ruining Richard's car from the jump with the M&Ms like <laughs> before the road trip even starts yeah. like those M&Ms roll down and yeah, it's just, uh. <laughs> I think you're going to be okay they have Foresight. a thin candy shell yeah 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 <laughs> I got a couple more here I got I have girl at the pool and then I have the meeting with Solinsky all right so, so the girl at the pool we all talked about like lines that we remember that we, we might use from this movie I was just a meathead at the gym forever. And I would just, I would go to the gym with my friends. And while I'm in the gym, I would just say, you know where the weight room is? I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> so that was, that was like the line that I took away that I, I overused and probably people got sick of me hearing it, yeah. sick of hearing it from me. But I thought this, this was a great scene. And you mentioned Brian earlier when we talked about their first meeting. Uh, you don't know how they wrote down a script. It feels like a lot of this was improvised. Yeah. They just, they were, Peter Bagley, the director of this, was just like, 
guys just just go cook. And I, I feel like there was a lot of that definitely in this scene um, where, you know, Richard sees the woman, you know, skinny dipping in the pool. And speaking of no one's looking, <laughs> and Richard comes in, he's like, the pizza place was closed. And he's like, were you watching Spanktrovision? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, who's your favorite little rascal? Was it Alfalfa <laughs> or Spanky? And just, I, you know, just thought, thought that was a great scene, the two of them. Uh, Gail, what did you think of that scene? Yeah, I love jerk off jokes. Like, it was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, the meeting with Zelensky. I, you know, it, it you know, I'm not going to nitpick this movie because, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not going for the best, uh, best, uh, best picture winner. But how he got this meeting with Zelensky first, he's a listen up. This will just take a second. And everyone thinks he's robbing the bank. He, <laughs> he probably should have got arrested like right there. Oh, at yeah. least taken into questioning. Somehow he manages to get back in the building. Well, and, I mean, they walked onto a plane pretty easily. They just yeah. cut to them sneaking onto a plane as stewardesses. What? Well, pre 9-11, you could do that. This was, I was oh, going to say, echo mm. Miguel. I was going to say this was nine. This was six years before 9-11. Not a chance. That's that seems probably the most not thing that wouldn't happen now. Probably yeah. more than the, probably more than the R word. Just yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're not getting on the plane. No, not at all. All right. So, so I, I like Ackroyd's in this. You know, we see him in the commercial and is a one a little heavy there on the pine tree perfume. It's, like, it's, it's a taxi cab air freshener. It's like, great. You pinpointed it. Step two is washing it off. I just love him in this. And I, I love the scene. Uh, Rob Lowe just runs away and gets every, everything's pinned on him. And he, he's on the, the crash test car. He gets, <laughs> he gets the, the, the weight bag in his balls. That's, that's just how things end for him. And, you know, we get a happy ending at the movie with, you know, Tommy just ordered half a million brake pads and just really nice finish to like an otherwise hilarious movie. It's just very wholesome film. I, Gail, any thoughts on the ending? Oh, it's a sweet movie. Um, he, when he talks to his dad at the end on the boat, asking for him that asking him for the, um, you know, the wind to bring him to his date with Michelle. Like it's cute. It's a cute movie. It, it is a, t- a more touching movie than some of the other road trip movies that I've seen but I think that it holds up strong against you know a movie like planes trains and automobiles where I think um I think Chris Farley found a lot of inspiration in in John Candy anyway which you can see um but yeah so it I I I love this movie it's sweet it's funny it it hits the right notes and even though it it kind of you know it misses sometimes like especially where you know it, it, things that could have been done in 1995 can't be done now right. um it's still it's still sweet brian yeah i agree it's a it, it is a sweet movie and it and it was i don't know sweeter than like you said a lot of the other ones but i, I found like the whole relationship with his dad you know he lost him you know tragically at the wedding you know and and i guess he it's kind of good that way because he never found out that he was being screwed over by these people you know, he just went to the great beyond, you know, just with his family, with Tommy and with his fake ass wife and horrible uh, son, new son. No, but I, I do I do like um, I do like how sweet it got at the end and, and him talking to him on the sailboat. It was it was very cute. Definitely agree. All right. On that note, great scenes. We love this movie. According to the Internet, uh, at one point in the film, Rob Lowe had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts with stephen king's the stand oh which wow. he was yeah which he was making that that miniseries he was making straight to abc 
at the time. So at one point he had to just completely drop out of the film and they were auditioning people really quick to play the role of Paul. And one of the guys who auditioned was a young Matthew McConaughey. Oh, wow. I, would have been cool. I love Lowe, but I, I think McConaughey probably would have slayed this part. Uh, Gail, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think McConaughey would have been just fine here. I, I think I would never think of Matthew McConaughey and, and Rob Lowe as interchangeable, but I think they could be here. Sure. And I but I don't think I, I feel like that McConaughey doesn't have there's something about Rob Lowe's cockiness that's a very different brand than McConaughey's McConaughey's right. very like is a confidence and Rob Lowe's is just a you know a, a, a smarminess I, I don't know how to put Rob, it but Rob Lowe yeah, I think could be yeah, in yeah. on the joke more yeah 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 so I think it would have been it would have played differently um and I would have suspected the twist a little earlier I think if it were McConaughey but but I think that this I think it worked out the way it should have that's true that's a good point right yeah, he can't keep a secret. That man. No, 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 no. He's smiling too much. You know, come on. Yeah. Another one I had here that uh, Roseanne Barr cast to play Helen the waitress, and wow, for the same reason, scheduling conflicts had to drop out. Hmm. Um, I should have written the actress's name, who was Helen, but I didn't. So sorry to her if she's listening. That um, would have been pretty cool. It would have, yeah, you I know, agree. It's, it's one of those I think that would have been awesome in 1995, but as we're watching it in 2022, <laughs> maybe, maybe not so much. But no, not now. Yeah, but but then it would. She was pro- one of the biggest names in comedy in 1995. Her sitcom was was going strong at that point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so that would that would have been a, a cool cameo. In hmm. I'm thinking of Coneheads in '93 when Tom Arnold w- was in for one scene as Farley's dad, and that was. Just, even seeing that as a kid, I was like, wow, that's Tom Arnold. You know, so seeing the same thing in 95. Holy shit, that's Roseanne. But yeah, now, now I might have been like, holy shit, that's Roseanne. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, she's done. <laughs> uh, another one I have here where there, there were a couple of wild fights between David Spade and Chris Farley during the production. And one of them had to do with uh, Rob Lowe. They, they fought over Rob Lowe. Apparently one night, and this is, you know, we call this segment according to the internet because this could all be bullshit. But apparently um, Rob Lowe and David Spade went out for drinks and didn't call Chris Farley and Farley was pissed about it. So for like a day straight, he just kept asking David Spade, where's Rob Lowe? Where's Rob Lowe? Where's Rob Lowe? (laughs) And Spade was just progressively getting more annoyed. And apparently Spade was sitting down waiting to film a scene and he had a tuna sandwich in his hand and Farley came up to him again and goes, where's Rob Lowe? <laughs> steps on his hand with the tuna sandwich. Whoa. <laughs> and a melee ensued. Yeah. And they, apparently this fight had to be broken up by staff. Yeah. I and love that. Brian, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier how, you know, Farley definitely got laid and I'm, I'm certain he did. But Lori Bagley, the, the actress who played the girl in the pool, um, was introduced to Farley by Spade. And he wound up dating her in, in real life. And this pissed off Spade, I guess, who also, <laughs> this is according to the internet. So this, this yeah. could be bullshit, but apparently he had feelings for her as well. And that caused another fight. So these guys just fought on the set multiple times. And I guess, you know, I guess really good friends do that, but yeah, they came to like physical fights <laughs> a couple times. I thought th- those were pretty cool stories. 
No, those are great. Those are great. Honestly. Do you um, think that the, that the, the mark on his face, like not here or here, which is a great <laughs> podcast joke, by the way. Um, but like right there, do you think that came from the real fight? It, it very well could have been. I hope it did. <laughs> I hope he really hit him with a board. Oh man. Richard could fight. Jesus. Yeah. He fucked him up. Fight. Actually, yeah. you know, what's funny is something my sister brought up. I hope this isn't too off topic, but no. Um, about the fighting, um, when Richard's riding his bike to school in the morning, my sister out of nowhere goes, maybe he was being bullied on the bus and just decided to ride his bike to school. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. And then she goes, oh, well, he knows how to fight. He's probably, he probably was fighting on the schoolyard forever, you know? And so, like, when he says in the Your office, you know. gave him a backstory. Yeah. Yeah. So that is was, pretty so cool. I, I'm, I hadn't thought about that for the last 25 years. And so my sister came out of nowhere and just made him even more. And then, like, when did he go bald? So was he bullied for being bald as a young kid? How long did he have that to uh, pay? So, I mean, there, uh, do my sister basically changed everything with that. So that's some interesting backstory for his character that I wish was fleshed out. That was yeah, another thing that I remember reading that I didn't put down in my notes. But um, apparently, and off topic again, I'll go off topic a little bit. We just covered on my, my Sopranos podcast I do, we talked about how in the Pine Barrens episode, Tony Sirico, Paulie Walnuts, wouldn't let anyone touch his hair to get <laughs> messed up in that scene. And in this movie, David Spade, for some reason, refused to let anyone touch his hair. Wow. And I, I don't, so if he looks like a little disheveled, it's because he didn't have like professional people <laughs> doing his hair. So they wound up, uh. that's kind of the origin of how they got into that, with that story, that storyline where he's really wearing a toupee. Yeah, because like the low quality of his hair throughout the film with yep. his toupee, you know, <laughs> enduring the elements <laughs> from driving in that car. <laughs> yeah. So pretty wow. pretty cool story there. I love that. Brian, you had one? Yeah, there was one where they said that the original name of the movie was Billy the Third, a Midwestern story, which okay. is a terrible name, terrible yes. name, and that it was scrapped by Lauren Michaels because people would confuse it with Billy Madison, the Adam Sandler movie. Also, not a great movie. But uh, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Billy the Third would maybe make this movie not as memorable because the name, the name Tommy Boy, and the way Brian Dennehy says it, it kind of is something that pulls on your heartstrings. So this weird midwestern story idea, uh, not good. But I think maybe that was when there was an early version of the script that I heard was was in play, and it, it got it got written up and changed a lot by a couple of different writers. And uh, I heard that Len Bloom, the guy who wrote Stripes and a lot of other okay. films that we love, uh, some, some SNL alum are in, um, you know, that he, he worked on the movie and actually put the movie in the part at the end of the movie where they have um, the sailboat where he's talking to his father. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Did not, know, did not know that. Fun fact. All right. Trivia. I got, I got one question here. Um, this movie, in this movie, uh, Chris Farley was nominated for Best Comedic Performance at the 1995 MTV Movie Awards. Did not win, however. I'm going to give you a list of nominees. One of these people was not a nominee. And I'll tell you who the winner was as well. One of these people was the winner, but one of these people wasn't even nominated. So, Gail, you could take first guess, and then Bri, you could go second. Maybe you'll both get it. Okay. All right. All of these except one. Alicia Silverstone, Clueless. Chris Tucker, Friday. Adam Sandler, Happy Gilmore, Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, Martin Lawrence, Bad Boys. One of these was not nominated. Who is it, Gail? It was probably Alicia Silverstone. Okay. I disagree, but it was probably Alicia Silverstone. Mm, all right. Disagree, too. 
Um, I would guess Martin Lawrence, Bad Boys. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Martin okay. Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, the winner. I'm so scared. Year, Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey. When nature calls. Yeah. Not, not even when. Yeah. When nature calls. Right. I mean, he was he was great. Solid. Yeah. I, I guess I can't argue with it. But all, all these other performances are great too. So, but yeah, stacked field there. Even Martin Lawrence and Bad Boys would have been good. So, you know, once again, my ideas, yeah, my DMs are open if any studio wants to call me. All right. Awards time. Uh, sixth man of the movie. That's just for anyone who doesn't know what that means. That's someone who's in the, in the side cast who stands out for you a lot. So uh, there was a lot to choose from in this. I, this was one that I knew what I was picking before we did this podcast and I stuck with it. Usually sometimes I, I'll switch it up last minute. I didn't go anywhere. Rob Lowe was just hilarious in this movie. I, I love him as Paul. He's just, you know, whether he's a heel or he's the good guy, he's, he's great all the time. And I love him in this movie. Uh, so it was pretty unanimous for me. Rob Lowe, six man. Gail, where'd you go? I think for me, it's Dan Aykroyd. Um, okay. I love his delivery. He's He's got the same kind of snark that Richard has, but at a much higher level. Like, I, I like Dan Aykroyd a lot in this movie. I, I don't think the movie works without Dan Aykroyd in this role. Okay, can't argue that. So we, we, we have an Instagram poll. Brian, are you going to make it a three-way, or are you going to go? Yeah, um, wow. I, this escalated. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. You're talking about this. All right. We were still talking about birthday. the poll, yes. That's, that's, kind of like, that's like two, three ways, man. All right, six man. I don't know if they do that on the, 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 the poor people's Zoom. That You got to get the Zoom premium. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I need a new job then, shit. <laughs> okay, I got to go with you. I mean, I would love to, like, say someone else because just to be oppositional. But no, it's um, it's definitely Rob Lowe. You know, he was going against type. He was such a heartthrob at the time. To come, at, to come back as like, this pretty boy but complete douchebag and also someone who was ready in game to just be made a fool of and just get blown across, get pulled by a wire off of a fence after getting electrocuted, falling down into mud and stuff. And just, yeah, I think he's the best. All right. So we got, we got two for low. We got one for Ackroyd. We'll have a good poll up there on the Instagram uh, MVP. This might've been one of the easier ones for, for me that I've ever had to, to do. I, you know, I guess you can make a case for spade, but I'm not going to, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go Farley here. Just kind of unanimous for me. I uh, didn't really have to think about this much. I don't know if either of you have a case for Spade, Gail. I I I don't. Okay, it's Chris Fair. Farley. It's Chris Farley's movie. I don't know what yeah. else to say. Brian's nodding his head, so I'm guessing you're going Farley as well. Yeah, I'm going Farley as well. I've got a little more on that because there's a lot of movies from uh, SNL people who are just explosive personalities. You got Chris Farley. You've got um, Jim Carrey, Dan Aykroyd. Those guys. Those movies wouldn't exist at the level that they do and with how people remember them so clearly, if, you know, those guys specifically weren't in those films, because those, those films wouldn't exist without those guys. And so I think this is a, this is a, one of those rare cases where there's nobody else who can do this role and, um, and nobody should even try. And so Chris Farley in this film is perfect. I can't argue that at all. I totally agree. Uh, Gail, what is something good you watch this week? Ooh, I watched couple of things. I guess I'll do one movie and one TV show. So I think for the movie, I watched um, Emily the Criminal with Aubrey Plaza. Oh, shit. Okay, I wanted to see this. Me too. A really fun movie. So okay. I, I recommend it. It um, 
it, it's a little caper, a little crime keeper. And I, I think that it's a lot of fun to watch. And I love watching Aubrey Plaza anyway. Yep. Uh, so this was, this was a good one. And I, I recommend that. TV. Um, so I finished up Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal, uh, just like we all probably did. But I had never seen Nathan for you. So I am now on uh, episode one of season four, the last season. I'm just binging through that. Like it's, I don't know how I slept on that, but it is a brilliant TV show. Um, I It's exactly the comedy that I like to watch. It is awkward and um, perfect. And I have to, I have to tell everybody about it, even though it came out 10 years ago. So um, <laughs> for you. I had actually never heard of Nathan Fielder until like, Brian, you mentioned the the rehearsal and I was like, all right, he's kind of touting this pretty hard. Let me, let me see what this is about. I'm four, I, four of six into that. So I, I'm really enjoying it. It's really good comedy. And Gail, I, I have to check out Nathan for you after I finish this. Yeah. Really, it's similar, similar type of show very similar yeah and I think if I had watched it earlier I would have understood the rehearsal a little bit better going into it and I wouldn't have felt so much pity I think for you know the children whose lives he's destroying but I I really love I love him I love him so yeah, no, he, yeah. he's great yeah Nathan for you is a springboard into big budget yes. social experiment like cruel fucking guy you know because he's there's a cruelty to what he's doing and oh and and, and yeah and I find it to be completely captivating, but like dark and hilarious. And yeah, Nathan, I'm an old Nathan Fielder stand for sure. I love watching him spend HBO's money. Like yes. that is yes. so, like he's just, he's just spending it. He's doing the most ridiculous shit for no reason just to spend HBO money. <laughs> no. I love it. Uh, Brian, what about you? What's something you watch this week? Um, I don't have anything cool. Like, like Gail was like, oh, I got cool. Sh- I've been watching cool shit. You know what I've been watching? watching? Cool House of the Dragon. I mean, like, oh, no, that's, that's I'm cool watching shit. the shit out of that. I'm enjoying that. And I'm watching it with, like, multiple people. Like, I watched each episode, like, two or three times. And it just makes me feel like a dork. But I, I'm no. enjoying it a lot. It's, it's very good. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I am. But... And I'm, I'm oppositional to Lord of the Rings. So, like, I don't like that shit. But I've been watching uh, the ring of the rings of power. So I watched the first two. I watched the first three of that, and that's like a perfect show. It's better than House of the Dragons. It's you, fantastic. Enjoying that? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. All right. So I'll go like Gail. I'll go movie TV. I I watched a movie just before we recorded called Human Capital, and I had never heard of it. And it, it was on the Netflix top ten. And usually I just think that's propaganda. Just, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. At one, at one point, I think Mile 22 was on the Netflix top 10. And I'm like, no, this movie is dog shit. <laughs> You're not fooling me, Netflix. But they they got me this time. Uh, this is with uh, Liev Shriver, Marissa Tomei, Peter Sarsgaard, uh, Maya Hawke. I believe it's like either right around the time or right after she started Stranger Things and mm-hmm. became became kind of like a big name. Uh, this is centers around a hit and run. And then they kind of do like a Pulp Fiction go type storyline where you get the hit and run from Liev Schreiber's point of view. And then we go what Marissa Tomei was doing at the time. And then we go what Maya Hawk was doing at that time. We don't know who did it until we don't know really what happened. We see this waiter get just killed in the beginning of the movie. And so we go from different characters perspectives and you're like, kind of what happened? Uh, I thought this was really good. This was, uh, I think it was like an hour and 35 minutes long. So I, I was able to watch it 
right. I was like, we have about an hour and a half before we're starting this podcast. And I was like, okay, I can bang this out really quick and have someone to talk about. Hopefully it doesn't suck. So well, I, I could cite it and it didn't suck. It was, it was right there. Just Netflix did a good job of propagandizing. Did I say it right? I don't know. Propagandizing the, this, this movie. And... It's coming across. I understand you exactly. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. But you know what? You guys did a show. I'll do a show too. I'll do another show. Uh, sure. Right before I watched this, rather right before I came on the pod, I watched uh, The Patient. With okay, um, I'm enjoying that. How Dom is that? Hall, it's good. Dom Hall Gleason. Yeah, is, I love that, him. that guy just disappears into his roles. He's fantastic. Oh, yeah. And good. um and um, what's his name? Steve is Steve Carell in that? Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Yeah. Is Steve Carell. Fantastic. And like his yeah. reactions, like they don't make his reactions seem more manly or more anything like every reaction he has is like just like a little bitch and i love it like he's been he's fantastic in that in that show so he's i've been enjoying ter- he's terrified but he's not like you, yeah he there is a little bit of that brian but yeah. he's not like he doesn't come off like a complete pussy you know no, what i mean no. like he, he's like holding his ground but he's also you know I don't think it would be very believable if he just got up and started beating the shit out of Dom. Wait, true. what does it? What is it about? Brian, you want to take it? Okay, it's about um, somebody who um, possibly a serial killer who takes uh, who kidnaps somebody who is a therapist and uh, chains him up, and they have sessions while he's chained up in in this basement. Oh yeah, and uh, it's, see, and this it's, sounds uh, like a much like a, like a really. This sounds a lot more interesting to me than like the Dahmer thing. You know what I mean? Like this, I don't want to watch that at all. But this seems like a good a good like little filler for what I want to watch, but not Dahmer. And it's like twenty eight minutes long too. You yeah. can just get through. Nice. And it's, nice. it starts off there in regular therapy, like they're in his office, and Dahmer Gleason's Ooh, character just decides right. like this isn't working. So he kidnaps him and brings him to his house, kind of like to force him to be better. And How it's fun. It's it's wild, yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's ten episodes long. I think the sixth one just aired today. That's right. It, it, it's good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'll go TV as well. My TV. I caught up on American Gigolo. This is on Showtime. How is that? It's good. It, it's I'll I'll say very good. Elite, no, very good show. Um, John Bernthal, who's just you know not even going to be his biggest TV role this year because he was in We Own This City as Wayne Jenkins. And that was just a fucking monster. And he, he, had, he was in one episode of the bear. So the guy just shows up and shit. He, he's, he's electrifying. Yeah. He's never not working. So he plays a former pimp or no former prostitute. Wayne Brady is his pimp. I'm mean, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Come again. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne Brady, you know, Riverside motherfucker. <laughs> that is who I would cast as a pimp. I right? think, yeah. In 2022. Yeah, um, that's his pimp. He was framed for a murder and served 15 years in jail, and he's just getting hmm. out of getting out of jail and slowly getting back into the game. So he hit, he hits up Wayne Brady, and he's like in his cool suits, and he's he's jacked and charismatic, and you know uh, Gretchen Mole is his ex girlfriend. Rosie O'Donnell hmm. is in this as a detective. It's just a lot of weird casting. <laughs> Got to see more of her. I want to yeah, see more I, of her. I will watch that for her. Yeah, so, I love Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, oh, no, it's it's, it's good. Just a lot of people you haven't seen in a while. And this is on Showtime, so I, you know, they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot going on. No. Uh, so this is probably one one of their crown jewels, other than Yellow Jackets at the moment. I would say three episodes. I think it's eight or ten. I'm not sure. They're hour long. Uh, good show. I, I'd recommend it. Give it a. I'd say very good. It's not going to be in my top ten of the year or anything, but we'll see where, where it goes. Yeah. I'm enjoying that. I'll check it out. Sure, Gail. Where can we follow you at? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at it is that one broad. 
Excellent. Brian? Brian Valentine on Twitter. Just like that. Brian Valentine. That's it. Easy to remember. All right. And I am at DDAM2000. That's my handle on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. We have an Instagram and Twitter for this show as well. It's at Was It That Bad Pod. Give us a follow on there. We'll post our six man poll and we post regular quizzes, show updates, et cetera, et cetera, on there. Um, if you like this movie and you want to talk about it with myself, Gail, or Brian, or any other movie or show you like with three of us or many other great people, join the Movie and Television Talk Facebook group. Type that into a group search. We are the red cover photo. We are about to embark on spooky season for October. In the next two weeks, we'll be covering Scream and Halloween. Either of you have any thoughts on either of those? I'm going to tell I you right now. I have thoughts on, yeah, go. What? I've never seen Scream. That's one of my big, huge yeah, That's really spots. upsetting. I've that's really upsetting. You know what's funny is I see the DVD, I see it, I want to literally want to buy it and watch it, but. This is so upsetting because Dave, I think you just said that you were just watching it. Like you were just watching it again. I watched it last have you, night. Have you watched last night? So so brilliant, right? Yeah, like I, nice. Still yeah. holds up well. I love it. I'm gonna watch yeah. it. I promise. It's on Showtime. You have to watch it because if you haven't seen Scream, that means you haven't seen Scream Two, and that means you haven't seen the classic Scream Three, which people will shun, but it's beautiful. You get Carrie Fisher. You get Parker Posey. Ah ah, it's a great cast. Great cast. Okay, Hop fine. into it. So I haven't seen Scream. I'm going to watch it. And I've been, it's been on my short list for like 20 years. I don't know, like a long time. But um, Halloween, I've seen a million times and I love it to death. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So yeah, definitely look forward to hitting both those. Gail, I'm sorry, did I, I cut you off? No, I like them both. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> cool. To the point. I like it. All right. Well, Gail, Brian, thanks so much for joining me here tonight. This, Thank this you, was Dave. awesome talking about this with both of you. All right. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you all next week. Night, everyone.